These past couple weeks have made a big impact on us in the construction industry. And we've seen how a lot of firms now have really looked at technology, how they can utilize that to be more efficient and look at their systems that they have in place to be better prepared as we come out of this coronavirus downturn. And it's funny how so many of us are reaching out and doing social interactions via Instagram and going live. And that's really changed interactions there. And we've seen from our side, just a technology side, utilizing Zoom and on our iPhones, FaceTime with our teams to have productive meetings where we can still touch base on our systems, yet still be in our own confines and and separation to be safe. So on this podcast is dedicated to what a lot of us are dealing with, the systems and technology that we have in our company and how we can better those. So we brought on Dan Hungerford Morgan. Uh, Dan is actually a contact of mine on LinkedIn, and his expertise is helping companies be more efficient with their systems. And his background is actually civil engineering. That's his degree. He actually worked for one of the nation's largest contractors as a site manager, which helped him really understand the importance of systems and how we manage our projects. And he's since turned that experience and knowledge into starting his own consulting company. And now he's helped over eight companies in the last two years uh, really take off and build their systems. So definitely stay tuned to this episode for a lot of the advice and information that Dan offers. Welcome to the AT Construction Podcast. I'm Brad Levitt, and today we welcome Dan Hungerford Morgan. Welcome, Dan. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on, Brad. Absolutely. So, Dan, we brought him on because he is uh, an expert with construction and systems. And so to kick this off, uh, Dan, why are systems and procedures so important to a contractor? Systems and procedures are something solid in a construction business because there's either two ways you can do it. You can rely on people and people fluctuate and change and people leave the company or you can set up systems and procedures which are your business and they don't change. They don't go away. That You can grow them, you can adapt them, but you can use them again and again and get the same results out of them. So that's why systems and procedures are so important for contractors these days. Well, it's interesting you say that. You make a really good point because when you talk about you can either have good people, you know, which know the systems and know the protocol, but the issue is is that if they're on vacation or they're sick or they're out of the office or leave employment, whatever it may be, then you're stuck, right? And, you know, whereas if you have a, a, a system in place, protocol, then no matter who steps in or is filling in or as as labor force changes and you could just step in without missing a beat. Exactly. And the same thing goes when you hire. So you, no one's, no one, the business isn't going to be crippled with whoever leaves. Even if the owner sold the business, the business will still carry on because it doesn't depend on the owner. It doesn't depend on key people. It depends on the systems, procedures and protocols. And that's interesting. I, I haven't heard it, you know, kind of situated in that, uh, in that mindset, if you will, that, you know, all of us as owners need to have some sort of, you know, end plan, you know, exit strategy, you know, so at some point, whether for me, I'm fairly young, it's going to be a long time, but whether it's five years or 20 years, that exit strategy has to be implemented. And if you have systems in place, it's going to be a lot easier to hand off that company that's been branded, has a reputation to new ownership that now can run with it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, Brad, you've got a long way to go. Many more houses <laughs> to build. But yeah, looking in the long run, definitely, because who wants to buy a company that is a person? Because 
so many contractors out there. I'd talk, talk with them, work with them, and if they left the company, there's nothing there left. There's nothing to buy. There's nothing to sell. And it's a sad situation for some guys because they've invested. I get on the phone to guys like this. They've invested 20 years into their business, the prime of their life. Some of them even sacrificed their families, and there's just nothing to show for it. They want to have a legacy to hand on to their sons or their daughters, but they're just there's nothing there because they are the business and they're super good at what they do, which is a sad thing. They just don't have the business with them. Now, before we get into some of the specifics on some of the systems and procedures, do you think, going back to the comment you just made, does that have to do a lot with a lot of business owners, you know, have the mentality that if I want it done right, I'll do it myself. And so they're, they're consumed in running every little end of their company and not delegating or empowering the staff or putting those systems in place? I mean, is that what you've seen throughout your experience? Yeah, I see that. I see that a lot. People don't want to give up control. They don't, they don't trust, essentially. But I, I see that it's basically, it's, it's like the egg before the chicken type of scenario. Because if you don't set the systems up, you can't trust them. You can't really trust your employees. And everyone's kind of seen as a bit of a risk. And so that means you just want to take it all on yourself. But then on the other side, you don't want to set up the systems. It's going to take a lot of time to set up. So you're caught in between position. No time is the best time, really. But on the other side, every time is the best time to set up your system. So it, it, it becomes tricky because, yeah, you just can't let go. And then you just keep deeper, deeper and deeper into it until eventually you're either forced to let go or something cracks. Well, well let me ask you this then. I mean, being that systems are so important, are there resources out there? I mean, where does, if a business owner, whether it's construction or design architecture or any small business, you know, where should they start? Are there certain things that they should be addressing first and then start working their way down the line? Yeah. So for me, how I always see it is the most important thing, but the most overlooked thing is a vision for where you want your company to be in three years. Because where you want your company to be in three years is going to affect the structure of the company in terms of what positions you need, who you need to hire, who you need to let go, and that sort of thing. And if you don't have a vision, you can't really see, well, what am I trying to cater for? Who's my market? Who do I need to set my systems and procedures up to serve best? And do I want to open up other offices? Do I want to grow bigger offices? Do I want to sell? What do I want to do? And that vision affects everything so getting a really good strong vision in place of what you want your company to be and that's also going to filter down to your employees and get them motivated get you motivated and everyone on the same direction so vision for me is the most important thing and I think everyone can work on that and it's very cheap and it's very easy to work on you just need to say what do I love doing and how can I build the best team behind me so I can do more of it and do it more profitably and serve my clients better so that's, that's the first piece of advice I'll give. Now, that's very – and there's nothing easier, but there's nothing more important either on the other hand. You, you leave that out, and then your business, your employees can splinter and all going off in different directions or all seeing different ends, and you don't quite see an end, and even clients you work with don't quite understand the direction you're going in if you're going to do repeat work with them. And it just things – and it can just stay in a – uh, just a, your business can just stay floating for 10 years, no problem. and just sit there and nothing's going to happen. And is there a portion of that? I think that's great advice because when you're talking about the vision, so you really need to have a three-year goal, whether let's say you want to start a franchise. Well, if you're going to go the direction of a franchise and open up in different markets, 
there's no question that you need to start developing systems now. So then three years you can get to that franchise status or, uh, you know, if you're just going to stay local, it doesn't matter because maybe your scope of work, we'll put it in the mindset of an architect or builder. Maybe you're doing a remodel or a bathroom or a kitchen, but your end goal in three years is to do strictly custom homes. Well, so what you're alluding to is having that vision now working backwards and saying, okay, how can we start setting systems in place so that when we grow from, a remodel business that now we can handle new home construction. Exactly. Exactly. It's so, so important and it's so easy to overlook and it's so easy just to think that you're dreaming. But when you write it down, you watch it, you work on it all the time, it happens because you just make it happen. Now, a lot of people don't write their visions down. They don't make it clear. They don't explain to their employees what they're going after. and Maybe it's not even realistic and they just give up on it. And when you give up in construction, it becomes a bit of a, you can fall into a hole and it's hard to get out because you don't quite know what you're working for. You don't know quite what you're after. Whereas when someone's very hungry and they know what they're after, they go over it every day, it's written out, clearly broken down what you're doing month by month. And you keep that pressure and that up and that momentum, you can drive your people, you can drive yourself and you can build something amazing. So let me ask you this, Daniel. I mean, one of the complex parts of this as you're setting up systems, okay, so we're a new company. Well, there's a lot of arms to each company, right? We're going to have business development and we're going to have marketing and, you know, we're going to have the development portion and production and estimating and all these different arms. And so is there one that you've seen that they should focus on first? Because each of these categories, if you will, will have to be broken down to some extent with that three-year vision. Yeah. So how I see it, the beautiful thing about construction is it's one thing. We set up one system. We want to find work and deliver work, find projects, deliver projects. And that's what we do. Everything we do in our day, everything we set up has to be around that. And the basic underlying factor underneath that system and right under the surface is people. And it's understanding the communication that needs to go on and things that need information that needs to be shared. And, it, and throughout from the beginning, from when you find the work to when you hand it over, there's all different, there's all different points that need to be connected. There's all these different communication that needs to have. People need to have information for this, that, there, everywhere. And it, just, and it can get very messy in a lot of contracting companies because there's so many different angles to it. But when you line it out and you say it's all about a project, it becomes a lot more simple. And it's, when you line that out even further, you say it's all about communication. It's all about giving people things before they need it. And when you go through and you break down your business like that from the very beginning right the way to the end, you can see it very clearly. All the communication needs to happen on every project, who needs what, and you can break that down. And you can make it very, very simple. And you can just run project hypothetically through it at the start and say, okay, where are we going to hit a road bump? Hit, bump, 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 hit, hit, hit. And who's not going to know what? And you go through it again and again because the owner is the only person who can truly picture that. And so you pull it out of their head and then you fire it through. And then what you do is once you've got that, you've got the bare bones of your structure and you know that works. The owner says, yes, this works. And then you start looking at the more nifty things. You start saying, okay, how can we make it more simple, more easy? How can we make it more straightforward? And you add procedures into it. And then you go ahead and you chuck you chuck software into it and you chuck different people into it, different places. And then all of a sudden you've got a system and you start adding the flesh onto that thing. And you, then you, what you want to do is you start buying projects or, and you tune it and you work it out. 
and that becomes a business. And then what you've got is you've got a very good way of doing things. And then what happens is that all it becomes is you're developing the people then. You're growing the culture, developing the people, and getting the feedback and working on the system. And that's how I see it. I love that analogy because you talk about building the skeleton, building the systems, and then add flesh to it, right? Then it starts to become its own person, if you will, or its own enterprise. You the system so it becomes more easy, and you're learning from that. And one thing I learned early in my career, and you know, I actually had a guest on the podcast that talked about do an audit, because one of the things that's really helped us is have a living document where we only know what we know, right, in any industry. And so as mistakes happen, learning lessons, make sure you're documenting those, and then sitting down with the team and addressing each of these. So these systems come in place because, hey, hey guys, we missed this on this project. We made this mistake. Well, let's get it in a living, breathing document and get it out to the team and train them so that now our systems are going to be more refined and detailed so that we don't make this mistake again as a company. Exactly. That, that's perfect. I love hearing that because getting feedback is the key to a system. There's a few key things, designing it well and getting feedback because over time you should just be able to run iterations on it and it should grow, it should perfect and that's what you want. It should get easier, it should get smoother and when that gets easier and smoother, you've got more energy and your people have more energy to focus on other areas such as growth, such as opening up new offices, such as franchising and it just the world becomes your oyster because you've just got things under control. And you've got something that works for you that you can put your foot down on and accelerate on. I love that, Daniel. And I think it's important for listeners to understand that, you know, things aren't solved overnight, right? This is a process. And even though you're setting these systems in place, it's going to take time and feedback is key. So based on your experience, do you recommend a certain amount of time each week that business owners are spending on the systems, on the flow of the company? Well, yeah, how I see it is usually at the beginning when you want to start on it. I, I'm always one for one step at a time. Get it right. Do it well. And at the start, like if you say I'm going to devote four hours to it straight off the cuff, it's probably too much. You're probably going to be start going too far, getting worried, thinking about things. I think you've got a very clear plan of what you're going to do, and you've got to build yourself up to it because you've got to free yourself up as well. Because most contractors out there are just overloaded. And for them, even to just think about putting four hours in their business, that's just out of the ballpark. It's too far. And so it just, it just starts with half an hour in the morning, looking over your vision, going through it. Then it starts with managing your time, going through your time, cutting out all interruptions in your day, structuring your day. And then after you've got that, you're going to notice that you've all, all of a sudden you've got three, four hours a week because you're starting to get a bit bored because you're starting to cut out interruptions. You're starting, to, you're starting to get a little bit more structured. And then you're going to start saying, okay, well, then I can start thinking about the business. And when you get to that stage, I think you probably move to two hours. And then after that, move up to four. And I think if you put four hours consistently into your business and then you've got a very clear plan of what you're doing, you've got a very clear vision of what you're after, it's broken down into months, I think you're removing all the question marks for yourself and you've got, you know what you're doing. I think you can put four hours into it. That's good advice. So you're looking at 10% of a work week, even though most of us, especially if your business owners are working uh, well beyond 40 hours, but, but so four hours a week would be a good target for every company to evaluate and start building those systems in their place. Four hours at the start. And then, okay, as your business grows, like I, I, for me, I truly believe what the owner should focus on 
is firstly their vision, secondly their time, thirdly their systems, fourth training, make sure it's ongoing, and fifth running, getting feedback and feeding it back into the system. And I don't say new business in there because the new business is in the system. I don't say business development because it's in the system. All those things are in the system. So you want to set a system up that you can manage these five things on. And it then, uh, then after that, the last thing is just coaching people. So those five things are the business and then the people, you investing your time into the people. And then as you purify your systems and as you grow and develop your people, then your vision is going to develop further. And then you're going to figure out, okay, I need more time to go into here. So you manage your time again. And then you're going to say, I'm going to need different systems to be able to take this on. So you go back through it again. And it's just a continual, you're just building the next step and you're stepping up and then you're looking out, what, what can I go to next? And then eventually you can have like 10-year visions and you start getting bigger and further. But that's for people who really want to grow. Well, I like that. I like that you talked about training. Training is so key. I've seen, um, you know, our company evolve at the beginning where we didn't have a lot of that training in place and it lacked, you know, we'd kick them off the end of the pier and say, go swim, right? Where if you can have some training and some evaluation and feedback and coaching, it's tremendously valuable for all of the staff and subcontractors, right? As now everyone's working a lot more efficient, efficiently. And, and you made the comment, Daniel, and I want to go back to this because it's really easy to become overwhelmed as a business owner. There's a lot of things we're managing and tracking, especially as a new company. And so, you know, for us, how can a contractor improve their company from just simply putting out fires and and turn that into, you know, managing a profitable and valuable business and staying in front of those issues? So for me, it comes down to, again, so – how I how I like how I do it with my clients is that how what I've figured out the best way is is that you've got to have it's a overall it's a mindset transition. You've got to transition your mind because a lot of people are focused on the urgent and it drives them. They're just reacting, reacting, reacting. And to go and that reacting is just firefighting. And when you run out of fires, you kind of sit down and you're bored. You don't know quite what to do. And then you, the fires come on again, you go again. But that can go on for 10, 15 years. And it, and it can go on forever, for your whole career. And I talk to contractors all the time, and they, they, they've done it all their life. And, I, and it's a sad thing, because they're like, I'm turning 50 next year, and I just don't have a valuable company. And because they just fought fires all their life. So what, how I see the transition from that is, is it comes back again to the vision. What do you want? Make it clear, make it vivid step it out, break it down month by month, target by target, and get help on your plan. Make sure that other people will see if it makes sense, you can do it. And then once you've got that, and you've got your vision, go over it every morning. Go over your vision, go over your goals, go over what you're trying to achieve, think about it. You want that on the front of your mind. Because what you want to be able to do is you want to start going from reactive to proactive. And to be able to make that jump, you've got to be able to see it in front of you. If it's too murky, it's not going to work. And then after that, what you've got to do is you've got to say, why am I reacting to all these things? What's urgent? And what I like to do is either I set up, like with my clients, I set up a WhatsApp chat. So I say, no one can call you. So they just have to message you on the WhatsApp chat. And all of a sudden, it's not a call yet to answer right now. It's a WhatsApp message you can get back to them in an hour, two hours time. Or another way to do it is basically say, okay, I'm all yours guys between 3 o'clock and 5.30. 
that's your time. Call me up with anything you want. Office staff, come at me. Everyone come at me. Project managers, anyone come at me. And I'll answer your questions there. And then all of a sudden, you're starting to take a lot of these fires out of your life. And you're starting to say, okay, well, if it's, not, if it's urgent and it can't wait to the end of the day, well, there's a big problem. But if it, most things can wait to the end of the day. And just doing it like that. And then start to really win back your time. And then you, all of a sudden, you've got quite a lot of empty hours in the middle of the day and start to structure that. And with exactly what you need to do, how you grow the company best, where your most value is, and then start focusing on that. And that's a good transition method that I have found with my clients. That's really sound advice. And so what you're speaking of is is organization, essentially. I mean, you know, how do we break apart our day? And then throughout that day, as you mentioned, here's my window, right, that I can deal with some issues, uh, you know, outside of fires. That way you're not just always reacting, 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 and it allows you to take a step back and now focus on on the big picture without simply letting the, the, the tail wag the dog. So, Dan, I mean, with that comment, I mean, are there any game changers in the contracting industry that help? So game changers for me, I don't know. I, I believe mindset is a game changer. I think mindset and getting help. Like I know personally, every time I run into like a wall and I can't get over it, man, I've got the money. I just pay for it. I get people to come and I pay. I know it might sound like I'm trying to talk to myself here, but that's what I do. I just pay for it because as soon as I hit a wall, it's not worth it. You lose your confidence. You lose your motivation. You slow down. Just pay for it. Pay for someone. They're not going to make you broke. They're going to give you a whole lot more information, a whole lot of knowledge, and just blow through it. And that's what I've done with myself. Every time I hit a wall, I just, I just, I can't be bothered wasting the next five months spinning my wheels. I'm just going to get someone who I know is going to get me through, and I'm going to go for it. And so that's probably my piece of advice for what's out there. Just figure out who can get you across it and find them and bring them on and don't waste time. I love that advice. It's funny. We, um, without getting into specifics, but I have a project that, you know, I, uh, uh, the way our company structures, I do a lot of the business development and initial meetings and then turn it over to one of my project managers, right. As we, as we get closer to, um, estimating and pre-construction and commencement, but you know, this one project in particular has so much detail and so much logistics with, the project and the layout and, you know, just everything that goes into it. And so it was one of those things where I was hitting a wall because just time, right? Time's your valuable resource. You put that here on your number two of five, right? That time, time, time. And so bringing in a project manager, hiring him, and now he this could be his focus, and now he's driving it and, you know, we're not missing a beat. And so in essence, that's what you're counseling is that all of us need to make sure that we're around good people that we have a positive mindset and then when we need help get that help and let them go run with it exactly yeah because there's i see people brad who can spend 15 years on a problem they don't know how to structure their company they don't know how to get their employees to work well they don't know how to get away from the day-to-day problems and it just destroys their lives it destroys their marriages. It puts stresses on everything. They're staying at work late. They get frustrated. The employees get upset. It just builds a culture, of, a dark culture. That's not something that people want to turn up and just rock on. It's something they just want to turn up, get the paycheck, and go home. And that's kind of the reason I got into what I do because I just saw there's so much of it, and I saw it doesn't have to be that way. You can have an awesome time at work. You can have the time of your life. 
but you just need to know when to reach out and get help because we're all good at something. We're not good at everything. And just focus on what you're good at. That's what I work with my clients. Just what are you good at? Whatever you're not good at, I'm going to solve part of it. And we're going to bring your people in like you did that project manager. And we're going to plug them into the right places. We're going to get them all set up on the system. We're going to get the training set up very clear, very straightforward. We're going to set up everything that I have no question mark. And they're going to solve that problem for you. And so we look at it at the beginning. We work on it. And we solve it. And we don't come back to it. We just keep moving forward. And that's what employees love. They hate delays. They hate being mucked around. They hate just having inefficiencies. And once you get rid of those, then you can really start building a culture. You can really start focusing on them as people. And you can really develop them and take them to new levels. And that's when you've got, that's when it's fun to work for me. That's what I enjoy doing. I, I hate getting caught in the crap of life. I hate getting caught in just dirt on my face all the time and then just not moving anywhere and just putting heaps of energy in. It's just the worst. Yeah, so that, that's what I'd say. I love that. So taking that investment, invest in your employees, invest in that resource. And, you know, if the point you mentioned is that one of the biggest game changers in the industry is mindset, having a great mindset. And that's, that's true to any company, any entrepreneur needs to have that positive and aggressive mindset. So with that said, what's the most valuable resource in any company? So the most or, or like the owner, resource. what should the owner's role be? So the owner's role should be, because, okay, I, I tend to work, but I'll talk from my experience. I tend to work with successful contractors. Contractors that are doing well. And the reason they're doing well is because the owner's very talented at what they do and they've kind of figured out they're good at it. And they've enabled this has enabled them to do well in contracting. And this enables their business to do well. But what happens is that they figure out that they they know when they start they can be of an awesome business. They know that. But what happens is that they carry on taking on more and more work and they carry on wearing more and more hats, and it really slows them down. So for me, how I think the most valuable thing to an owner is just to really understand what they're good at and only focus on that. Only focus on that, because they're very good at it, and they love doing it. And just have a good time, focus on that, and then build out what you can't do. Set the systems up, set the procedures up for what you're not so good at, but you know how it's done and then train people up and leave them to do it, and then grow them, monitor them, get the feedback, adjust the system, just be involved in it for four hours a week so it's running smoothly, going well, and then focus on what you really, really enjoy. And that's, I think, the biggest asset for an owner, just to focus on what you really enjoy and then build out what you don't enjoy and keep on moving. I love that advice. So focus on what you're good at, outsource and delegate other tasks for people, are a little bit more efficient and that can help you really understand your valuable resource and your role as the owner. So how many, you know, we kind of talked about this a little bit about how many, how much time should an owner put in the company setting the systems, but how many um, hours should the owner be looking at financials or health of the business or projections? It, you, you, does that go into the four hours or that should that be additional? So for me, that should be additional. This is just for, like, I'd say the four hours are for the system. And the system's made up of, of that general procedure we went over. It's made up of people. It's made up of software. It's made up of feedback. It's made up of training. It's made up of uh, target. Uh, just, yeah, it's made a few targets in there as well. It's made up of a few different things. And that's all I've just spent those four hours on. 
and then time outside that do what you like the financials and things do that but ideally like a lot of contractors i work with they they don't like financials so much they just want to get reports so then if you don't like it just get reports make sure you get the right reports coming through look at them go over them talk with the right people who you need to get advice from for them and then keep moving forward again just get other people to do it but so people would love it yeah so let me ask you this throughout your experience are most uh firms that you work with and consult in are they uh doing their own financials and reports or are they outsourcing that to someone else so usually i think it's a normal thing everyone's got an accountant and they outsource that and then they've usually got someone inside the business, like a CFO type of position, that kind of manages that as well. And, okay, some contractors I know love numbers. They really like diving into it. Good. Get stuck into it. There's a lot of money that can be made off numbers. And there's a lot of things that you can tell your business. And you, can, and you, you always do it better than anyone else can if you love it. So do it. But if you can't, get someone else to do it. But the thing is, set up a good financial system again. The financial system is a little bit on the sideline of a project. Like a project I went through before is winning the project, hand the project over. The financial system kind of works around the project, but it's more to do with the business. And it's a different system again. And you've got to make sure you iron that out because if you don't track your costs, it's dangerous. You're taking a lot of guesses. You're taking a lot of risks. And companies that do that, they can't grow large. They can't overall do well because it's their financials have to be managed just diverging off of the topic of it there i love that you talked about job costing i mean my personal opinion job costing is probably one of the most important things of any business it's something that i rely heavily on because how can you effectively grow your business and secure new projects and development if you don't understand you know the job costing that goes in you know with each project we'll audit monthly and then at year end Okay, well, how much manpower did this take? Did this go over? How much material did we have to use? You know, what was our square foot price for masonry and concrete? What is it today? What is it tomorrow? And trying to forecast to understand what the market's doing. I think that's super important. And for whatever reason, that's uh, that was not taught to me at a young age and something I have had to learn, you know, running my business. But I, I do love the points you said going back to delegating those below you because I've looked at our firm and there's so much uh, information in regard to legal and insurance and taxes. You know, even for us in Arizona, we pay tax on every project we do, and it, the rate differs depending on the value of the project for commercial and residential. So it's really important to have people, whether it's a controller or CFO that or out third party that understand the rules, the regulation, and all that implication that can hurt you, uh, you know, with your taxes if you're not being careful. Exactly. Again, it comes, yeah, it's just, you've got to figure out what you're good at and what you're not good at. And I think a good contractor has a good overview of everything. They, they know, they feel the pain when they're not doing something right. And I think that when you feel that pain, you've got to figure out, okay, I'm lacking here. I need to get something involved. I need to reach out. I need to go find someone. And you just need to pull these people together. Some of them, they don't, you don't only need them once a year. You might even need them only once in the time of your business. Some of them you might need every week. And you just you should have this all your bases covered. Because it's just not worth going to sleep at night saying I'm taking a risk. 
is not worth it. It just pulls you down. Contracting, there's too many things that can go wrong to take risks. You need to build like an A team around you that's not necessarily in your business, that aren't really employed by you, but people who can come on when you need them to come on. And it takes and it takes time to invest in that. And it's good fun. It's networking. It's going out there, figuring things out. And it's pulling it together. Because I think most contractors are people people. They love being around people. They love talking to people. They like talking to smart people. They like ideas. And they're naturally, they're naturally curious. And that's what a good contractor has to be. And you just can't go to sleep at night with these problems. You've got to really dig deep. And you've got to go through it and set it up well. Because in the end of the day, it will bite you at some point in time. It will get you. And the more time you get bitten, the more time you lose your energy, your vision, your motivation, and you just slip. And you can't let that happen if you want to be successful and have a good life, a good family, good health and everything. So with those points, Dan, it's it's interesting. You know, you've touched on some great information, you know, what we can be doing um, as owners to be more efficient and, you know, put these systems in place. But that handoff is still so difficult for any owner. So how can managers, you know, or owners get employees to take more responsibility and pride in their work? Now, this is my particular love because this here is the thing that's plaguing North America. It just, it eats it. Like everyone I talk to, what's your biggest problem? Employees. What's your biggest problem? I have to make all the decisions. I have to take all the responsibility. I can't trust people. I can't get their enthusiasm. They don't want to turn out to work. All sorts of things I hear. And for me, it comes down to really, you've got to, you don't want to leave things uncut. Uh, uh, you want to think, leave things hidden. You don't want question marks in your business. If your employees are running into question marks, what that's just road bumps for them. They hit it again and again. And the more road bumps your people hit, no matter how nice you are, they're going to get dissatisfied. And so if every project you do is just full of road bumps. People are just, they're going to do the bare minimum, take the paycheck, go home. So the first thing you've got to do, I really believe, is you've got to do what we said at the beginning. You've got to line it all out. You've got to iron out where we're going to run into problems. Because every project is pretty much the same. Okay, you've got different drawings, different specifications, a few things different. 20% is different. But 80% is the same. And you want to get that 80% well. You want to really lock that down. Because when you lock that down, you can really start streamlining your business. You can fire projects through minimal friction. And once you've got that, then I believe you have done your job as a contractor. You have set things up so that your employees can take responsibility and make good decisions. Now, if you don't do that step, I think that it's ultimately coming back to you and you're the one that's going to pay the price because you haven't set your employees up. It's not their business. It's not necessarily their problems and they can't fix it. You're the only one that can fix it at the start. Now, get it to a point where they can fix it as well. Well, voila, you're away. Now you're in a place where your people can shape their environment. And then what you want to do after that is that it's all about just getting the implicit explicit, getting them to let out all their problems. You let out all your problems, capturing all that feedback and feeding it back into the system. And then after that, once you've got that in place, your business is humming. And now you're ready to focus on people. Now you can really start pulling out the individual talents, growing them, developing them, taking them further, and really because that's what's going to really bring the life to your business and enable you to go wherever you want to go. And you can focus on them individually and not so much on the business because they're working on the business for you. And that, for me, is like the ideal company. It's funny you say that as you were talking, you know, and I was making some notes here. You know, I wrote down, 
because you're alluding to this, identify the strengths and then the talents. But what's fascinating is in the way I've never heard it said is that, you know, these road bumps, when you have uh, systems that are undefined or you have, pro- you know, issues that are hidden and, you know, our employees don't feel that they have the support, they don't feel that they have the training, they don't feel that they have the ear of the owner or the support, you know, it's easy for them to become discouraged and just do the bare minimum to get by. Whereas if you're setting them up for success, no matter the project, if 80% of the project is already set up and evaluated where they feel that they can conquer that and then 20% you're dealing with like all of us do, then it allows them to have the motivation and a little bit more pride in their work. And then as you know, we're seeing their success then we can identify those strengths and put in positions where they can succeed. Exactly. That's the one. Because everyone's different. They say there's a quote, everyone's born a genius. I believe that. But I believe everyone gets caught in so much nonsense that it just gets strangled. And I think the first person that has to become the genius is the owner. And if the owner never becomes a genius, there'll never be any geniuses in the business. And so the owner has to really take the lead. And they set it up and they set their business up right and they get the right help. And then they grow their other people. Because it's awesome when you've got an A-team, when everyone's very good at what they do, you rock up, you do a good job. It's just very satisfying. I think it's the most satisfying thing about work for me. I love that. I've never heard that. Everyone's born a genius. And so, yeah, everyone has their skill set. And how are we identifying our employees' skill sets and then putting them in the best position, right? And it's funny because even over the years, I have – uh, a few employees in my company that are phenomenal and I've worked with them for 15 years and you start to see their talent and where they're really, really good and strong. And it's like more and more trying to push them and create this little bubble of their workspace that they're focused on that because they're so talented. Exactly. And it's just, it's, when you watch a craftsman do his work, it's, it's just enjoyable. Like when you see a craftsman that's really good at what they do, even just a welder, it's just, it's something like, I don't know, it just brings a, there's another light to it. There's an art to construction. And if you don't have the science, you can't get the art. And if you can't get the art, then I believe the industry suffers and people suffer as well because they can't let their imagination out. They can't let themselves go and they can't really become who they're supposed to be. So there's this pent up frustration. And it's funny you say that because you may have an amazing craftsman, but he may not be a good manager or a good leader of 10 people or good at paperwork. And so sometimes the issues we make as business owners is we're trying to force everyone to be the same or everyone to be all the above, as you mentioned, instead of focusing on a couple of things. And we put them in these little boxes and then that's where you get that defiance or that lack of trust or, you know, that inefficiency because understanding what they're good at and then put them in good positions, you know, will just uplift the entire company. Yeah, exactly. But if you so, don't have the systems up and running, it's very difficult to do because you're just going to give them more and more problems and you get frustrated because you're trying to help them and and it's just not working. And then you they kind of feel like you're over-promising and under-delivering, which can be a problem. Oh, absolutely. So let me ask you this now. Are there any technology or products that you're seeing that builders are using that they should reference or assist in their management? Oh, it's a hard one. For me, for me, Brad, technology is like maybe 10% of the 10%. 
And so 10% is nice. It's going to make things more simple. It's going to make things more effective. It's going to give you some good reporting. But outside that, I believe it comes down to, I believe it comes down to you, your ability to be able to set up the other 90%. And 90% is, it's a lot, but the, the software is great. Don't get me wrong. And out there, what can I recommend? I can't, I don't know. I can't. I use a bunch of softwares. A lot of softwares. I'm with softwares a lot. But it's just how you bring them all together. It's how you build that. You've got that skeleton. You have to have that skeleton. And it's how you knit that flesh together. That really depends. And some companies, some softwares are a nightmare for. Some companies, softwares are awesome for. Some companies just can't take too much software. And it's really dependent on your structure and what you've got and where you want to go. I love that. I mean, I've seen in our business, I mean, we do utilize a lot of technology in different aspects and they do help sustain, you know, our, our workforce, if you will, and our systems. And it, it, I will say it it is funny how now with coronavirus and COVID and everything else, it's almost like we've had to rely on this a little bit more than usual, uh, you know, because business is a little bit different today. We're not meeting face to face. And so a lot of it's done remotely. And so we're having to use zoom and, um, you know, build a trend and some of these other things to connect everyone. So, Dan, based on your experience, though, what separates good contractors from the rest? I think good contractors, as I said, have got good mindsets. And I think construction is, construction is so diverse that so many different types of people can get into it and do very well. But if they've got the right mindset, and they're not going to get caught up on road bumps all the time. And they're going to focus on the business and building a business and not just completing projects. I think that's what separates the great from the rest. And I think you hit that right on the head. It's funny, as I talk to different architects and designers and other people, and then, you know, sub suppliers, they always say that uh, their best experience are with contractors that have systems in place and are organized because it allows them to be efficient, allows them to be profitable, which is why we're in business, right? Everyone wants to be able to go to work and have uh, efficiencies in place to be productive. So one thing with you, Danny, I I love your accent. So tell us a little bit about your background and how did you get involved in the, you know, consulting construction companies? So I'm from New Zealand, Auckland, a little place on the, at the end of the world. And, uh, I was, I, I've been in construction all my life. My grandfather was a builder, so I worked with him a lot. And then as I turned, what, 14, just the normal story, go working for other builders and then figuring out, okay, well, I'm going to go do civil engineering because it just made sense. And I, I did good at school and I was like, okay, I went to civil engineering. Pretty bored though. I, was pretty, I, was, I wasn't utilizing myself. I was just memorizing things and doing what you do at school. And then I kind of came out and I went into the workplace, which I've been in the workplace a lot because I've been with a company. I got an apprenticeship. I got a, I got a like a internship in my second year and I've been with them all through and they're a big, big company. And I saw a lot there. And then basically I got out and I was like, I worked for them and I did a good work. I enjoyed it to a bit, but I figured out I was hitting too many road bumps. I was like, this is just, just disturbed me. I was just getting sick of it. I was just so inefficient. So I just started transition from that point on. Within the first year, I said, I am good at systems. And so that's seven years ago now. And I just went through that company and then I learned a whole lot of lessons about people and about management and 
about how to get things and how to do things and I failed all over the place and then I went and then I went to a smaller company within them a subsidiary type branch and I worked on that and got things right and then I went to London the UK and I really love software so I went and actually started a startup got investors everything ran that got information out of that then kind of jumped off so I was like it's still not what I want to do that startup's still doing well today and then I I went took that knowledge into construction because I knew that they need software and how to put it all together. And then I figured out it's not about the software, it's about the people. And so then I started two years ago and I started with a construction company here in Toronto and I started working for them, learned a few hard lessons. And then I just got better and better at it. And now I've just got the DNA to build an awesome company. And it's taken so many failures. Like I used to read every morning, I want to build awesome companies in construction and and now i can say did it it's taken me seven years it's a lot of trial and error a lot of pain i've left a lot of jobs i've left two jobs three jobs from it i've been through a lot of complications with senior managers disagreements in a way because i don't like how they're running but I, I know that we're getting there and people backing me and not backing me it's quite controversial at times and but i got there and i love it and i'm just gonna now on i'm just gonna I'm just rolling. This coronavirus has been a bit of a damper on things because people aren't working, but I think it's a perfect time to do it now. And yeah, just going. And, I'm, and I just want to 10x every year. I love that. That's a great entrepreneurial story and spirit, right? I mean, the, the one thing that most people may or may not realize is that when you're starting a company and going on a venture, as you have done, is it's a lot of work and it's a lot of long hours and a lot of stress and anxiety. But at the end of the day, you know, if you believe believe in your vision and believe in what you're doing and the purpose there, you know, great success will come, but it takes time, you know, and you have to be patient. Definitely. It takes time, but I love it. <laughs> and that's, I couldn't, I can't walk away from it. I could never could. <laughs> and that's yeah, part sure. of my problem, but I stuck to it and I'm definitely in the results. Like I'm married. I've got one kid and another kid on the way and boy, we've been through some hard times. Oh yeah. But it's been a great journey. It just shapes who you are and you just got to learn and keep moving. That's, that's awesome though, but it's cool that you're doing this and, you know, now, you know, taking your knowledge and background of, of all the experience you've had and then the software industry and now you're out there consulting and, and, and strengthening companies, you know, all throughout the world essentially. So what are you excited about next and what's upcoming? So what's next is that I am, so what's next is I'm, I want to figure out a way that I can help a broad spectrum of contractors. And so I'm going to figure out, I'm figuring out ways that I can, because I'm figuring out ways that I can hit smaller contractors to larger contractors, because the same, the issues start at the beginning. And I want to figure out that. So I'm figuring out that at the moment. It's a mixture of courses. It's a mixture of me. With a lot of my, my large clients, it's just me, but I want to figure out how I can get that price down for them. And so I can help a lot broader range of people. And then after that, I'm looking at developing a software because I want to be able to structure companies and I don't think there's anything out there that can really structure companies well. And I know I've got the DNA for a minimum viable product that could work very well. I'm already using it, but I just haven't I just haven't started coding it all together just to make it a little bit more seamless. So that's yeah, that's kind of my path I want to go. That's a big endeavor. I can tell you that's a lot of endeavor to start software. I mean there's a lot of a lot of back work that goes into that before it launches. Oh, yeah. I've been with software now for seven years and I've worked on a lot of products, developed a lot of products. 
So, and I'm, I love it. It's kind of, I want, I've always wanted to do software, but what I always wanted to do is I didn't want to miss my mark. So that's why I kind of dropped out of software and went consulting, because I said, I just don't know enough. And when I can, when I know enough and I've done enough companies, I know exactly what they need. And basically to start from that, instead of going out there and just developing something, trying to match it to the market, I've been just working the other way around and paying for everything myself and doing well off that. So yeah, that's my, it's been a long, long-term vision, seven years, I said, a lot of pain, but I think it's definitely worth it. Well, that's exciting, Dan. And I know we're connected on LinkedIn, you know, a lot of uh, uh, mutual admiration is, you know, support of each other through that platform. So where else can our listeners find you? I'm just on LinkedIn at the moment and yeah, I, I enjoy LinkedIn. I'm not going to say I'm the world's best marketer, uh, but I enjoy it, and I've started really to learn it in the last year and a half, and uh, I'm finding it valuable. And so, yeah, just LinkedIn at the moment. Maybe you might get a YouTube channel. I'm not sure. I just don't know exactly what contractors are after, so not yet. Yeah, some are on YouTube, and some are all, all different platforms, but I do love the camaraderie. I think LinkedIn... I've spoken about a lot. I think it's one of the most underutilized platforms um, by many companies. There's a lot of value. It's funny, as I talk to more people, they're like, I thought LinkedIn was just a place to post resumes and jobs. And they don't realize, you know, the amount of networking and job leads and just information that you can put out there and, and people that you can connect with. Exactly. Yeah, because I'm an engineer. And I think a lot of us contractors as well in construction. We're just not like social media people. And and I think as we start, I'm starting to really see the benefits of LinkedIn. It's powerful. And I think every contractor should be on LinkedIn and utilizing it. I've just noticed you, Brad, you've really impressed me. Like you've just taken LinkedIn and you've run with it. And it's awesome. I love it. And you, I, I like your posts every day because I genuinely like them. I like to see that work. I like to see that craftsmanship. I like to see that it's just not out there chasing a dollar. It's out there creating something beautiful. And, and I think that if you can show the world that that's what construction's about, that's awesome. And LinkedIn does that. Yeah, I totally agree. That's awesome, Dan. Well, I, again, I know you're a busy man and have a lot going on. So I can't thank you enough for making time and coming on and, and sharing a lot of your uh, wisdom and experience and knowledge with, with our listeners. So thank you, Brad. Thanks for inviting me. And always a pleasure thank you all for tuning into the podcast today and we're super excited to announce that next week we'll bring on architect extraordinaire steve basic so definitely stay tuned to see what we have in store uh, with our conversations with steve